Hi, this is Trent Knox, podcast producer and videographer for Robert Gardner Wellness. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. It means a lot to Robert and I that you would take the time out of your day to hear what Robert and his guests have to say. May I ask you of a quick favor? If you have gotten any value out of this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, and share the link on social media. Once again, thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm lucky to have Charmaine with me here today. I believe her last name is Bond. She goes by Nurse Charms. We had some lovely uh, discussion and a little bit of a internal debate about what to discuss today. And I recommended that we just go live, um, respond to whatever was pressing on us at the moment, because I don't think this is the last podcast I'm going to do with Charmaine. She is a wonderful professional. She is brash and she is opinionated. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> so that. <laughs> so, Charmaine, tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice so that people know who you are. And in addition, also, can you um, link like your Instagram or wherever you want them to follow you where they can get information about you? Yes, absolutely. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm sorry that I'm a little distracted. I'm just a uh, Share, make sure I share this video so all of my followers can watch. I am Nurse Charms because I am really a nurse. I'm nurse, I'm a nurse massage therapist. Okay. I've been a nurse for 17 years and I've been a massage therapist for seven years. So my whole um passion for you know health promotion and and health prevention and, and wellness and all those things um kind of uh geared me into the direction of massage. I've always um known about massage ever since I've been a little girl. My mother, she would give me massages literally when I was a baby. So I knew about the therapeutic touch of massage. When I became older, um, I just started, you know, playing around with my friends, massaging their hands or a little shoulder here. People were like, oh, wow, you're good at this. And as I got older and stuff, you know, um, I realized I was really talented in it. So I branched off from my career at the hospital. I left, that was in 2015. Um, I left and then I just became an entrepreneur and I opened, I have a business gold standard massage clinic. Um, and I also have a, a out call massage business. That one's called massage pro on the go. So I've, um, so yeah, so here I am right now, seven years in business as a massage therapist and loving it. Is your main income Charmaine, just so I'm clear, is your main income coming from massage now? You just keep your nurse license active? Uh, no, actually nurse but I do contract work so oh, okay. yeah 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 so I don't work at the hospital anymore I, I, I left but you know I do consulting um I actually get hired as a nurse um and I kind of work in a first responder type role so kind of like a, a EM you know EMT you know so that's pretty fun I, I get hired I go on different um like if, if there's an event coming to town um they have to have a that if there's like going to be 5,000 people, 2,000 people, whatever, uh, by regulations, they have to have some type of medical responders on the scene, not just an EMS, like actual, you know, medical people. So that's where I get a lot of my hands on, you know, practice as a nurse for right. now. Yeah. So in the, in the conversations we had before the podcast, we were debating, we wanted to talk about what's. And I know I can rely on you for this. What's the most <laughs> pressing issue? What's the thing that you want to discuss that just chaps your ass or the thing that you just, you know, that grates on you? Um, you know, I just really get 
tired of people <laughs> kind of kind of downplaying um, the therapeutic nature and necessity of massage. A, a lot of people really undervalue it as, you know, just something luxury. You know, you have some extra money. It's your birthday. Some friends go to hang out. You know, I really wish that people would look at massage as something you literally need to do at least once a month if you can't do it, you know, every other week. And it's not just to push my business as a massage. It's literally what's going to help you feel better. You know, massage has so many therapeutic uh, benefits. You know, I personally get massages. So it's like I practice what I preach. I don't have any illnesses, you know. So, I mean, I really attribute a lot of that to, you know, massage in addition, you know, to eating the right things. But um, I just really want more education to get out there about massage because, you know, when you have people come in here and they're like, oh, you know, they just want to pay you like maybe $40, $30 or just think it's free. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. like I have to be compensated for this. So that's well, it's, it's, it's a high count. level skill. Um, that's an art form. Right. Uh, and especially in its higher level, you know, in incarnation. When you just get out of school, you're still learning how to deliver the service. But if you've worked for any period of time, usually I think therapists have worked five plus years. They have a different level of skill just from practice. Then beyond that, I think my complaint would be that the education has to come from massage therapists. Massage therapists are not doing enough video. They're not doing podcasts. They're not posting enough on Instagram. Like the way that the public, not massage therapists, like right now, this is probably going to be viewed first and foremost by massage therapists because of the connections we have in the industry. But massage therapists aren't stepping up individually to educate the public about what we do. Right. Absolutely. And and that's important. Um, You know, you and I kind of butt heads about this, but I really want <laughs> I really want massage to be included in insurance benefits. You know, you get you get PT benefits, um, you get mental health benefits. Why not get wellness benefits and have that part of your insurance? Then that way, you know, we can target a, a group of people, you know, just from insurance, you know, so we don't have to spend so many, so much money in marketing dollars, you know, because now everybody in the world gets it as part of their, their insurance. So, you know, we can um, be credentialed, through, you know, HAP, Blue Cross, uh, you know, all the all the major insurance companies, they can begin to credential massage therapists so we can receive more clientele. So yeah. that's, that's another challenge. Mr. My complaint is, huh? as long as I can continue running my business and opt out, um, I don't want a middleman between me and my clients dictating what my services look like. That's why I'm usually, in a, from an entrepreneurial level, trying to get therapists to build their own practices and go their own direction uh, with clients who can afford their services. It's not because I don't necessarily want massage to be covered by insurance. Like, no, I want more people to be able to get massage. And certainly if it was covered by the insurance, people would have a greater likelihood of being able to receive that. The problem is the insurance industry is going to start dictating how that service is delivered. And once massage therapists, much like chiropractors, once they get on the insurance teat, it's really hard to get them off because the chiropractor's business will almost die because they won't build a cash-based practice because they keep billing insurance and the insurance companies keep paying less and less and less over time. Does it make sense? 
That that does make sense. But when we when they create the laws from the very beginning, you know, we'll be at the <laughs> no seriously, we'll, <laughs> we'll be at the table. You know, we're we're having our lobbyists, you know, go to the state capitol and and lobby for us and and you know um, advocate for us and say this is how we want it done. This is how we want it written. I mean, here's the problem: that, you have you have to get massage therapists to work together to get a lobbyist. That's true. That's true. But every city should have lobbyists, though. They really should. I mean, we have one here in my hometown, Michigan. I'm presuming that you guys have one as well, right? <laughs> I have no idea. I can't deal with the politics in my industry, much less politics on like a larger scale. When it comes to lobbyists, the problem is um, sorry, uh, chiropractors organized, physical therapists organized, doctors organized, massage therapists only get the leftovers. Yeah. Those people, including nurses, nurses organized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a discussion, you know, and, and it's something that's going to be ongoing because, I mean, there are several therapists who would like to be included, you know, in, in insurance. And it's definitely a consideration because, um, you know, the, the um, American College of, of Physicians, um, they're they're pushing for it. You know, a lot of a lot of doctors out here are recommending massage versus a pain pill. They're, they're recommending alternative therapies before, you know, giving pain medicine. So, you know, physicians are, are on board with it. You know, some people in, in politics are on board with it. So, you know, we have to just look at what the long-term effects will be. You know, I'm, I'm always about what's going to benefit the, the people. Of course, I want to benefit as well, but I think that more people get massage will keep more people healthier, more people healthier, more people live longer, enjoy happiness now, on this earth. <laughs> that, I don't, that I don't disagree with. And in fact, I think the reason why, to some degree, they're allowing chiropractic under insurance billing, why they may allow massage under insurance billing, is they start to understand that if they allow more preventative maintenance. They have to pay less. In yes. In other words, <laughs> yeah. it, it's benefiting insurance companies because they're making more money because people are complaining less. Right. They're not going to the doctor and the, the you know the ER because they're having elbow pain. They're actually when it starts, like oh, trying to find someone to help them with that, whether it be a massage therapist or a chiropractor. Um, I'm very, very uh, cantankerous when it comes to regulation and insurance billing. The main thing is, for instance. I don't want an insurance company to tell me how long my session should be. And here's yeah, the thing. If insurance only allows an hour, the client will only get an hour. That's right. what my experience has been. Like you, you start to troll the bottom as opposed to finding clients entrepreneurially who can pay your services and continue building what I think of as the practice of the future. We're going to take a quick break. All right. So even though I can be um, ornery about regulation, it's not because I'm necessarily anti-insurance. For a limited time, Robert Gardner Wellness is offering a free 30-day trial of his industry-leading subscription service, Reboot Insiders Club. That's right. Your first month is free of charge, and after that, it's only $7 per month to continue your subscription. Don't worry, you can cancel at any time, and if you cancel before the 30 days, you will not be charged. Inside, you'll learn massage and body techniques and how to thrive in business for only $7 per month. 
You get access to over 350 plus hours of online classes, including table and mat work and business and marketing. Membership to our Facebook group exclusively for subscribers. And additionally, you'll receive occasional bonuses. And in the past, we've given additional NCBTMB approved home study courses with CE credit. So don't wait. Get your free trial today. Head on over to R-G-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot S-T-O-R-E. That's R-G-Wellness dot store. Can't wait for you to join our subscription service. And I'm here with Charmaine Bond, Nurse Charms. Hey, hey. Relatively calm conversation. We haven't attacked each other yet. (laughs) Not yet. I don't think we will. (laughs) But uh, but practice. I I really think the confidence factor comes from practice. I think there's also a reason that core curriculum uh, in most states, I think, often includes sort of clinical trials, which is students working, doing massage on people who come in from the public who aren't in school with them to give them the practice that they're going to need so that when they get out working, likely for someone else, they've had some practice. But, you know, how many hours of massage in a clinical way do you have to do to develop real mastery? Right. Are, were you asking me or just? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, at least five, to be honest. Yeah. At least five. Yeah. And it depends. And it's going to depend on how many clients you're seeing. Now, if you're only getting like maybe, you know, 10 clients a week, it may be longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think also some people will develop mastery sooner rather than others. It also depends on the sort of work that they're doing. Um, If you're trying to figure out how to do a good Swedish effleurage routine, that might be a quicker learning curve than chronic pain management and problem solving. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm anxious. What do you got? Give me, give me. <laughs> um, let's think of some advice to give, you know, all the massage therapists out there. Um, this may seem kind of biased, but I guess I would tell people um, <clears throat> to... Just kind of follow their follow their gut instinct and just do what feels good, you know. And I guess to kind of qualify that, um, you get a lot of people just telling you all these things. You know, you can't always listen to that. You just have to do what feels good for you. I mean, that's really show. Yeah, I'm I'm running a fairly high level business. We're having all kinds of you know advertising challenges with our subscription service, doing things we've never done before. Charmaine, I could have a conversation with you. I could have a conversation with Trent and three or four other colleagues. They'll all give me five different sets of advice. Right. (laughs) I have to sit back and go, uh, okay, I like this. Let's go this way. Right. You're just making best guesses, especially when you don't know because you're really just testing. I think the same thing happens in your practice when it comes to how the therapists excel. I always do this in class, and I understand the therapists don't quite get it. They'll say, well, what do I, you know, what do, I do in my practice to build? And I'm like, what do you want to do? Because if they want to have a clinical pain management-related practice, 
they have to go that direction. And the reason I ask them what they want to do is whatever's blissful to them, they're going to put more time and energy into this right. than they would building a relaxation practice if that's not really what they're interested in. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. I forgot to tell you that I also work at Google. I go in weekly. Um, I've been there for four years now, and it's really awesome opportunity because, you know, I get to pick their brains a little bit at the same time. You know, I'm giving them all massages and, and they value it. That, that's part of their whole culture. They have a whole wellness culture there. They have a, a, um, a place to exercise. They give them free lunch. It's, it's just really nice there. But I'm seeing all this to to say is that um, they have a culture of like, how many mistakes did you make? So they encourage it. Um, and the psychology of, behind this is that whenever you make a mistake, you learn something for it. So it's not so much of a, um, you know, like penalizing people, you know, it's, it's a cult is a culture of helping people to, to grow. And I, and I guess I kind of adopt that with my business. You know, I, I, I'm hard on staff. They know they'll they'll say it to everybody. But at the same time, you know, I I offer them a time. I offer them the opportunity. You know, I, I'm not firing anybody. I don't fire anybody unless it's really, really bad. You know, I offer them the opportunity to be able to grow, learn from the mistakes. I'm teaching you. No, that's not how we do it. What is your like you said? What is your rationale? Not just kind of scolding somebody like, OK, yeah. so what were you thinking um, when you made that decision, just let's just, just talk this through that type of thing. And then that's when I'm like, no, well, actually, this would have been a better way. So it's like being encouraging, you know, but at the same time, I, I want people to be free thinkers. I don't want people. Yes. To, you know how some of these chains, you know, people are just so scared to do things and, and say things. And I don't want to ha have that culture. I want people to be free to make decisions and not feel like, oh, you might get fired. It's not to me about right or wrong. It's about right. And the way you fix rotator cuff issues is by not fixing rotator cuff issues. And the same client comes in and you're like, man, was it, huh? Is it subscap instead? Like that process, because we're not mechanics. Right. You can't take it apart and reassemble it. That's doctors. What we're dealing with is like trial and error, best case based on information we're given. And we don't have scans, right? Right. So, I think a lot of it, if they get into a notion of like it's right or wrong, it can be frustrating. No, it's just about growth. Right. It's about this continual pursuit of what I would consider perfection, this constant ongoing pressure to better. And one of the things I notice between what I think of as employees and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs lean towards this. Entrepreneurs are not as afraid to make mistakes. Yep. <laughs> That's very true. Right. And yeah. You know, like when I get maybe a bad complaint, um, they didn't like the massage for, for whatever reason. You know, I speak with the therapist, you know, what type of massage did you give them? Did you check in with them to make sure like I'm all I'm the type of person I teach my therapist. We're not here to give cookie cutter massages. If we have to literally, you know, work on their shoulder and neck until they feel relief, then stay there. There's it's not like five minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, my gosh. I went someplace. One of the chains, I'm not, not giving anybody any any business, but they told me that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Somebody walked in my house. OK, so they told me that um, 
No, I, I already did five minutes on your on your leg and I have to spend the rest of the time here because I have to, you know, every area. And I'm going like, what? So like they wouldn't go back over my back, basically. It was just like we've done the 10 minutes there. We've done the five minutes here. We have to stay in this cookie cutter fashion. So even when I worked in a facility that wanted me to do a general relaxation session, here's what I did. And I was a fix it guy. They have issues that they don't know they have, and I'm the therapist. And here's what I'm going to do. 45 minutes of that session is going to be a nice, relaxing effleurage. And then when I get to their upper back and neck, I'm going to go, ooh, what's this right here? And I'm going to educate them. And when they get done and realize how much better their neck feels and how much better their upper back feels, they go, wow, I didn't even know that was a, a problem. Right. The therapists themselves within your business, they have to expand the parameters for what our work can be. That's very true. How many I mean, do consumers? And I don't know. I don't I don't work at a spa, so I don't know what I'm kind of, you know, I only get the pulse of the massage industry within like Facebook groups because I don't work in these facilities. Do consumers even know that they can go in and just get upper back and neck work for an hour? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely at my business because I book most of the massage appointments. And so, you know, I kind of tell people what to expect up front. And then we also have, you know, one of those intake forms. So kind of says on there, you know, what are you here for today? So it kind of gets you focusing on, okay, we want to make sure, cause I'm all about getting re- results. I'm, I'm not here just to take somebody's money. I want you to feel a hundred percent better. I don't want you coming here like, man, I still got this pain. So no, we're going to get you some results as long as you come into our business. So let's focus on why you're here. And so let's make sure that we take care of this issue before you leave. If, if, you know, we were unable to fully treat you, then definitely going to have you come back, you know, because some things, like you said, some things we can fully treat, some things we can't. Most things we can't, you know, because depending on how long they've been having that pain, you know, you've been having this neck, shoulder pain for 15 years, you just decide to get your first massage. Uh-uh, we don't work uh, magic tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, can, we can do a lot, especially with practice, but it is something that bodies need maintenance. And I think that goes back to the conversation you were having with insurance and healthcare. Um, there's a lot of prevention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Good discussion so far, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I really think there's a lot of room within the industry for people to go ahead and continue growing. And Trent, can you, I can't see it. It's, there's too much light on it. Okay. Um, Whenever businesses like yours, smaller businesses, I think if you start to think in terms of competition with larger markets, being able to get individual therapists to start dealing with social media, social media production, education, that can completely outstrip what larger companies can do as far as education is concerned. Yep. It gives you an advantage, in other words, mm-hmm. as a yeah. small business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, being an entrepreneur, I mean, I I, I just like the freedom, <laughs> you know, freedom to 
make my own policies and, and, and rules because I don't agree with a lot of things that go on in the chain. So that's what? that's probably what really drove me to form my own business. You know, what did you not like? What is the policy you don't like? I mean, it's just you got to work a certain amount of weekends. I mean, you, you got to work a certain amount of hours period. You don't get paid enough. I mean, you can't call your clients. It's, I never worked for a chain. You know, I just yeah. basically came out and started working for myself. But I will always hear these stories. And I'm like, I don't want to work a place like that. You know, you're you're forced to uh, upsell, you know, all those different things. So I don't I don't have any of that. I made sure that my business model, it, it was not like any of that. So I let, yeah. I let therapists, you, look, you can work as much as you want or as least as you want. Of course, you're going to make more money if you work more, but you don't have to work a certain amount of weekends i mean it just all works out like people you could come and go when you want you make your own break it's like if and that's why all of the therapists who work for me they've loved it because they just feel so much freedom so it's like they're their own entrepreneur even though they're technically working you know physically at my business so i kind of make it an entrepreneurial model because with me you know, mentoring and, and teaching them, you know, I, I developed them to eventually go on and create their own businesses. And then people look at it like, well, that's crazy. Why would you, you know, be having people come in? Because I'm different from the, you know, the chains. I'm not trying to keep people here a hundred years. You know, if somebody feels like they, it's time for them to go out on their own, then go ahead. I want to be a part of that person achieving their dreams. I'm not here to keep people captive, you know, just so the business can earn money. So I, I think part of the, the issue with people's notion of competition is the pie is only so big. Yeah. The difference is we just bake more pies. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then it goes back to dominating, you know, so I don't really worry about because I feel like I'm in my own lane. For one, you know, I have 17 years of nursing experience that I'm bringing into my seven years of massage experience. You know, people come to me because they're, you know, they like my skills. They like my personality and whatever else they like. So I don't ever worry about competition. Mm. So, yeah, the, the competition game is we do is worked out for me, you know, still how many people with any regularity in the United States, what percentage of the American populace gets a massage regularly? Oh, I don't have that data. Do you have it? No, <laughs> well, let's, let's say, but let's say it's 10%, which I think is probably not likely. I, I don't know if it'd be a little higher, a little lower. The problem is therapists think they're fighting over that 10% instead of going and educating and marketing the other 90%. Oh, yeah, I got you. I see what your point. Yeah, there's there's hundreds and hundreds. Like, you know, if you look on, on Google AdWords and you can see all these people, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds literally of people searching massage keywords, literally 500, 1,000 people a day. You don't have to yeah. worry about competition. The people are out there. They're just trying to find where to come, you know. So you you present yourself well, you market yourself well, you're going to get those people. You're going to be successful. A colleague and I were having a conversation about some collaboration and his his wife said, well, you know, what about competition? And I said, what? Right. Like, Tim, Tim, there's 1.6 million people in the greater Austin area. We could work 24 hours a day and we could make a dent. Right. Not to cover like, all the people. No, there is no competition. Yeah, that's another myth. That's another myth that massage therapists think. And, you know, people, one of my clients um, told me today that they were going to um, 
a massage therapist before they found me and they end up dropping that therapist because they said she got mad and was just like so furious because the person went to somebody else. I'm like, well, why'd you tell her? What was your goal with I that? Tell the clients. I've had a client come in and say it. Hey, I had a session with so-and-so and they'll say it kind of timidly. And I'm like, we're not monogamous. It's okay. <laughs> we're, you know, <laughs> right, I know. So he he basically did that to her, and she was furious. She was, and he told me that he didn't even. She didn't even give him the same massage that day. She he could just tell that it was just like a you know yeah massage, and he said he never went back to her. So there she burnt a hole with that, just trying to be jealous and you know protective. I don't understand why therapists feel the need to get upset because a client goes to somebody else, as long as they come back to you, or even if they don't. There's going to be more clients coming. Trust. <laughs> so, Charmaine, it was great talking with you today. Can you just give people your contact information one last time so they can find you? Absolutely. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Nurse Charms, all across the board. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Nurse Charms. Listen, Charmaine, I'd love to have you on the program again soon so we can chat more. Now that we've had this first one, we know each other a little bit better. We can figure out things that we'd like to discuss if you'd like to be on the podcast. All right. Sounds good. You guys have an amazing day. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Yeah, thank you all so much, and we'll see you. If you're enjoying this episode and you would like to support Robert Gardner Wellness, head on over to rgwellness.store to see all of the products that we currently have in our marketplace. Uh, as well as earlier mentioned, there was the free, first month free, uh, the ins Insiders Club, Reboot Insiders Club. There's also workbooks, uh, DVDs, digital copies, digital downloads. There's a bunch of different things um, inside of the RG Wellness store. I highly recommend you go on over there and check it out. See if there's something that will help you improve your practice and increase your clients or, or knowledge with your students. And uh, once again, that's rgwellness.store. Thank you for listening to this episode. So I'm here with Charmaine Bond, uh, Nurse Charms. We're having a conversation about working with therapists and how to handle um, like you're the, the main focus of your business and then potentially raising her rates because she doesn't have time. She's, she's booked out with the clients that she's got. How does she encourage new clients to come in and see the other therapists on staff? Right. So uh, marketing uh, video production it's, it's trying to get the rock stars in your, um, in your business to do video production on Instagram and YouTube to promote themselves, to build a face for themselves, hopefully within your business. Right. You, you hit on something. Can we just discuss that really quick? How do we get uh, therapists to have more confidence? Because they don't really teach you that in school in terms of, you know, entrepreneurs, because you know, you're going through massage school. You you can take one of two routes. You can be an entrepreneur or you can go work for somebody. And the people who choose to be an entrepreneur, they always struggle to build their clientele. Like I know some therapists still three, four years out of school and they're still struggling and it shouldn't be like that. You know? Hmm. So 
Is the question how to build confidence in the therapists? Um, yes, because, you know, those are the therapists that are charging $40, right? <laughs> Ooh. And those are the therapists who are scared to uh, to do videos, right? They're, oh, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have social media. That's too much of my business out there. Yeah, this is where, as, a, as an employer, I think you have to educate and train and work with them. Um, I think that some of it just comes from practice, meaning my confidence level went up when I worked with people who were in pain, who experienced relief and then started rebooking at higher rates because they developed a connection with me and they said, it wasn't just my personality, but it was like, I cannot get from other therapists what Robert just did to me. Right. That built my confidence as a solo practitioner, even though, um, let's say six plus years ago, I worked for five years at a chiropractor's office. My confidence level went up another notch whenever I noticed that the chiropractor and the other therapists were referring the problem clients to me. The chronic pain people were being referred to me by the other people in the office. So let's say you have four employees, you said? Yes. Therapists? Mm -hmm. So let's say one of them focuses on like lower limbs. The other focuses on arms and shoulder pain as a specialty. Like I really think you should see Jeff. Jeff does great work with shoulders and rotator cuff. If the front desk staff is recommending that, that's giving them an area of expertise because if they feel like they're going to be a jack of all trades, but master of none, it might be having them specialize on specific issues that you see regularly. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, every therapist should have confidence. So it's, it's so important to, you know, just... I know it's probably easier to say this, but it's like, know your value, you know, and, and stick to it. You know, if, if you know that you you have these amazing skills, you know that you've been told, be confident in that, you know, and and, and carry your, your brand as that way. You know, I'm like you said, you know, I'm great at, at Thai massage, you know, I'm great at hot stone massage or, or whatever. I'm great at pain relief, whatever you want it to be. I think it's so important to use that confidence in branding yourself. Otherwise, you know, you just get mixed in. Like massage is a profession where you have to be in it to dominate. If you're not going to be in it to dominate, you're not going to get much th business. I mean, that's See, just I think massage therapists, if I had to guess, when massage therapists hear the word dominate, they'll say, oh, that's just too, you know, that's just too young for me. It's too aggressive. It's too uh, gruff. It's too Wall Street <laughs> business. Hustle, bustle. Um, I think that, and when I say specialization, I want people to understand that I'm not saying you can't be a great massage therapist and have a wonderful practice that's a general massage practice. But I think specialization, especially in the beginning, might help beginner therapists start to develop a little bit of confidence. So if you're a therapist and you take a carpal tunnel class, and then your business, Charmaine, runs a special and says, hey, if you have carpal tunnel, we'd really like you to come see Cindy. Cindy just took a class. She's specializing in this and getting her training. We're going to give you a small discount to come in because she wants to work on the craft of what she just learned about carpal tunnel. Because it's helping, I think, build their confidence instead of just, well, this person had foot pain. This person had arm pain. This person had – I don't think – 
you know, jack of all trades is what sells. And in fact, Charmaine, I think you're like the the business focus is on you because you're the most public entrepreneurial face of your business. It happens from slowly again getting Cindy to make video about carpal tunnel, to talk about carpal tunnel and blog posts, to make YouTube video about carpal tunnel, to take on people are coming in with that condition. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what are, go ahead. Oh, I'm good. Oh, <laughs> no, I was just trying to think of some other uh, topics that, um, you know, pertain to our, our industry. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> well, we talked about uh, labels. So we talked about deep tissue, deep pressure, but we've also talked about uh, privately about body work, massage, um, trigger point, myofascial release, kind of modalities and names and sort of jargon in our industry that we feel is sometimes meaningful and sometimes not. Right. Yeah. You know, I kind of train my therapists, don't get into all those terminologies. Yes, it makes you sound more professional, but at the same time, the clients don't really understand that. It's like you're putting yourself at a level up here and they're right here. You know, do you think it's necessary to to use all that, you know, say the specific muscle? People don't really, I mean, they know basic stuff. They know, they know. Here's where it changes. I think there's a different conversation when I make a YouTube video for the public right. and I take out an anatomy chart and say, listen, this is your infraspinatus. It's right. a Latin word and it means that it's below the spine of the scalp, infrared, below the red on the light spectrum, infraspinatus. Right. And I say, it's just a muscle that does this or you know, it's part of your rotator cuff. It's learning how to speak the language of the bus driver and speak the language of medical professionals but really bridging the gap as an educator to say it's not, it's a complex word, but it's, it's just a muscle. It's just a muscle from here to here, a specific muscle. I think it depends on what your target is. If you were a massage therapist who is trying to market your practice towards medical professionals and referrals, the science stuff is good. The Latin is good. If you're talking to the general public, I have a tendency to not talk about modalities. I have a tendency to say, Charmaine, where are you having discomfort or pain? And you say, oh, right up here. And I go, okay, cool. Like, and then I'm engaging about the problem so that I can apply the solution. I don't like when the clients start telling the therapists what tools to use. Yeah, that, that's an issue too. But I know sometimes I'll see the therapist and they're speaking these big words and then the client will just kind of have this puzzled face like, you know, like at the end of the massage, you know, they'll be explaining what they did for them and, you know, that that they need to come back because, you know, this muscle, that muscle. And they're just kind of looking like, okay, like, what are you talking about? And it's like, you want to rebook? Um, no, nah, because I don't really understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I'll give you a call back. And, I, you know, I think that- part of the, the rebooking process. So it, back to a business point, not just education. If the therapist develops enough skill and shoulder dysfunction to understand oh, they're having this referred pain that's likely coming from the infraspinatus. If they just take two seconds to go over and say, listen, this muscle right here, this is really gnarly. I think, this is before they ever do the session, by the way. If they get good at it, they could do this. I think this muscle right here might be the problem. If this is it, 
I don't think we're going to clear this in one complete session, but I think I'm going to be able to drastically help you with the pain and mobility. I think if we do another two or three sessions, the bulk of this will likely go away. Let's go ahead and get started. Right. Now, what happened is if you prepped them by giving education, it blew my mind when I worked at a chiropractor's office. I said something like that to a client one day. And when the session was over, they rebooked and they said, I've, I've, I've never had a massage therapist educate me before. I know, right? It's amazing. Yeah. And and I guess that's where some of my nursing background has made me to be, you know, more solid of a, <laughs> you know, because I'm used to working with patients. I'm used to all the education and, and explaining and stuff. And so, you know, it's like I, I try my best, but at the end of the day, you know, th- it goes back to comfortability, you know, they just have to be comfortable with, with that form. Practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Practice. And the, the people on your staff, what's the average like length of their career so far? Um, about three to eight. I've had some yeah. people like, you know, 10, 10 plus, but yeah, yeah mostly that's Season. what it is. I try not to take fresh out of school. I did that when I first opened up. It wasn't good business. I didn't get a lot of rebooks because people are just so new and they still were learning and people just didn't want to come back to them. I think the challenge I would have um, as a business owner if I were hiring therapists is I think there's a stark difference between an entrepreneur and an employee. And it's hard to find the therapist who's kind of in the middle who's willing to build within your business. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I try to make sure we're on the same goals, you know, even before the interview, you know, I let people know what I'm looking for. So I try to be as transparent and, and clear as possible. So you know that you're coming to in, into an environment. Well, I don't mind mentoring you, but you know, you're working as an independent contractor and you know, I'm not really here to babysit you because you know, I'm in and out. So I'm not really there all the time yeah. with the staff, you know, to, to really help uh, just be there and, and keep an eye on them. And I don't even want to do that. Cause I feel like, um, Massage therapist should be as independent as possible, unless you're working in a franchise, you know, where it's different. Yeah. It's a whole different model, business model. Well, I mean, if, if they are working as contractors, creating a situation where they can build within what you're doing by promoting themselves, educating on social media, I think it's stepping stones. And as an educator, here, one of the problems I'm having is um, how long you said you worked as a massage therapist now for seven years? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven years. I've been doing massage for 17 and I'm not a nurse, so I don't have that like backing. It took a long time to develop enough skill to be able to continue pushing out and feel confident about the fact that I could teach clients little bits of musculoskeletal anatomy to be able to help give some background on the work that we were doing so that it came across as more professional. I think as an educator trying to break down after 17 years, step one, step two, step three, I'm actually having a challenge with that currently because you almost have to teach at what feels like a grammar school level to be able to get them skills (laughs) to build. So when I teach classes, students are asking for sometimes sequences, which I've already made, workbooks, DVDs. Then they're asking for improvisation. And I constantly have to toggle back and forth because I can give them a sequence and they're like, well, no, what do I do for shoulder pain? And I'm like, shoulder pain where? And they're like front of shoulder, back of shoulder, inside the, you know, it's like 
those are completely different things. And they're like, what? It's a little bit like saying I could teach someone to paint by giving them an easel and giving them some paints. And I could do that. I could finger paint. Now, it wouldn't be Picasso. But if I did it every day for 30 years, how do you think it would look 30 years from now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just a quick break. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you're interested in practicing or learning from Robert Gardner in person, head on over to rgwellness.store. There are a variety of classes listed for the Q4 of 2019. Let's take a look at what we've got. We've got Chicago, Illinois on October 6th, Houston, Texas on October 18th, Christiansburg, Virginia, October 12th, Round Rock, Texas, November 3rd, Yelm, Washington, October 26th, Round Rock, Texas, October 21st, Dallas, Texas, March 29th, and Virginia Beach, Virginia, September 22nd. Check that out. If any of those dates work for you, those are the intro tie classes as well as the Body Workers Conference uh, available to you all through the rgwellness.store. Head on over there and check it out. Thank you. And I'm here with uh, Charmaine Bond. Uh, Charmaine, can you introduce yourself again? I am Charmaine Bond, otherwise known as Nurse Charms. I'm from Michigan. I have my own massage practice here, and I've been a therapist for seven years. Nice. So Charmaine and I were going over um, insurance billing, uh, lobbyists, uh, skirting towards like regulation and how massage therapy is dealt with. Um, massage therapy, just like nursing, just like medical practice, is regulated state to state. So there's a lot of variant from um, state to state. So, for instance, Charmaine, in Washington state, I'm told, Washington state changed laws to make insurance billing easier to contend with. So schools in Washington state are teaching massage therapists in school how to bill insurance. Now, here's the problem. When those students graduate and they start billing insurance and then year by year, the insurance companies want to pay less and less and less. The students graduate school not knowing how to build their own practice that's cash-based. Right, right. That's very important, too. Um, Another thing I think we were talking about is um, just uh, some of the terminology and some of the myths and and superstitions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that like the whole thing with... um, Water is not a form of treatment after a massage. What, what's your whole theory on that? People people feel like, you know, the, because like in the commercial massage places, you have the therapist just kind of, you know, standing there next to the room as soon as the client come out and they got their water ready to give it to you. I mean, that that's fine. But some you get some therapists just so caught up like you want water, you want water, you want water. So what, what's your whole take on that? I mean, I assume my assumption is a lot of the behaviors and a lot of the beliefs that I'm seeing in massage therapists as a culture across the United States specifically is coming from their education in school. And I think that in the last 20, 30 years, things have fairly drastically changed as far as our science base and questioning some of the myths that maybe we were taught in school. Um, I never really hung with major tenacity to stuff that I was taught in school. And I feel like 
the science component of what I learned in my core curriculum was very limited. What I did know from clinical experience was that in some form, applying pressure and working on people, I was able to help them with pain. But if you held a gun to my head right now and told me to describe in detail the physical mechanism that causes that, I can't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just that I just want to kind of de debunk that whole myth that, yes, water is good. You can drink it any time of the day, you know, and of course it's going to um, either replace, you know, dehydration or it's just going to, you know, help to maintain you, your, the cells, the, the function, um, functioning of biological functioning of our cells. You know, we need water, need a certain percentage of water in our bodies. But if there's really not a correlation that, you know, you must drink water after a massage. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So <laughs> I, I think of it more to, as a to service the toxins, They're telling people. Yeah, no, that's, that's. <laughs> Yeah, okay. so here, drink some water because it's going to help release the toxins. And you got so many customers, like, that has just been told forever and ever. So you got so many clients, like, let me make sure I get my water because I want these toxins to get out. No, that's what your liver does. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's what your kidneys do. But I also yeah. I also take a soft stance. I, I don't spend a lot of time uh, bickering about what I consider smaller details, even though I consider some people's practices to be based on myths or falsehoods, you know, as long as they're still doing good massage, I kind of take a soft sell in going towards science-based education. I do know this, if you go bash on people and you bash on their beliefs, they feel like it's a bash against them. And as an educator who's, who's, yeah, it's like as an educator who's trying to build a following, you know, bring students along you know, it's more like I would go into those questions and like, hey, let's ask some good. I was a philosophy student. Let's ask why. What, right. Well, what does that do? You know, that's more my line of thinking, which I think is a bit more soft instead of just saying, well, that's completely atrocious. And let me tell you why. Like people, I think, respond poorly to it. And it's the same thing as uh, Democrats and Republicans. If right. we sit them down and get them over dinner to just sit and talk, not about politics, Right. They start to recognize each other's humanity and their connection points, which might lead to some discussion that actually increases change, that actually right. increases, you know, understanding other people's notions. Right. It's more like, you know, you writing a blog post and making video about the fact that, hey, guys, listen, here's a much better, a better way to deal with the water situation with your clients. Right. Then it's like you're, you're, you're giving them something instead of just bashing them with the fact that they're not science-based. Right. Absolutely. You're totally right on that. Uh, another, another myth is um, the about deep pressure. You know, some people think uh -oh. that you got uh -oh. you got to get your elbows, uh -oh. knees, get them in order to give them. <laughs> I mean, you got some clients coming in here like, if you don't put my your elbows in me, then I don't want you to give me a massage. You know, is is that whole myth like, oh, if it's elbows, if the more the more it hurts, the better the massage is. I don't know where that correlation came from. That that pain equals a better massage. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. And again, it's one of these things where I think some of it is culture in massage schools and what therapists are taught. And then also my suspicion is, and I've seen arguments about this, and I assume this is correct. We would ask, where did deep tissue come from? That name, what is right. deep tissue? 
the best information that I've gotten is that deep tissue came from a spa that figured out that clients wanted deeper pressure. Right. And they said, let's call it, oh, do you want the regular massage? Do you want deep tissue? Because they were charging $10 more an hour for it, deep it, tissue. Exactly. That, that's the best reason because all massage is Swedish. Now, unless you're doing something like Thai massage, which, which oh. everyone knows, <laughs> like that's your specialty. That's my specialty. You know, or if, you're, if you're doing something like, um, you know, orthopedic massage or, or sports massage, then then, yeah. But all massages generally, it's a Swedish massage, you know, the effleurage and, um, you know, petrissage, you know, those basic massage techniques. And then you kind of just pull out different tools, you know, that, you know, not real tools, but, you know, use our massage hands as tools to kind of trigger different areas, you know, different muscles, Um you know, so that's the thing with well, that. I, I released um, a lot of content on Instagram and YouTube, and I got a comment um, from someone on my Instagram, and they said, listen, when, when you're sh doing these videos, they're just a minute long, they said, you're always communicating with the client. It's like you're not letting them just rest and relax. Like when I work tissue, you know, I find the dense, tense, tight tissue, and I work it, but I don't really verbally communicate with the Me client. either. But here's the difference. I make my bread and butter, one, as an educator, and two, working with chronic pain. When I'm working on someone's shoulder and they've had a massive issue with their rotator cuff and I'm in their teres and I slide, hey, do you like this more towards the shoulder or more towards the elbow? I'm trying to key into their nervous system and in pain relief, in my experience, I get better clinical outcomes communicating verbally with the client about pressure. Because it's not about it. I have tons of tools, right? I mean, I, I do suspension work, stand on people, tons of pressure in various different ways, including elbows. Right. But I'm getting information because I can deliver what most people would think of as deep pressure. I think my work is way beyond uh, deep tissue as far as right. like its skill is concerned. Right. But it's never trying to overwhelm. Right. It's just trying to wake up their body and go, listen, you know, this way or this way. Right. That framework and changing the word massage on my menu of services, even though I generally am teaching Thai massage, we're attempting to rebrand. And on my menu of services, there's a three-hour reboot and a 90-minute belly reboot. Those are the two things I offer. I don't even offer massage because if I say massage, they think table cream, glide, and nudity. They're thinking right. effleurage. The difference is, do you find that you need deep pressure to be able to affect change in clients. Yeah, yeah. So listen, can I share with you a little uh, situation that happened today? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I had a client um, called a book of same day massage, right? We had a little slot open. So I put them in that slot. I, I actually had to do some rearranging with that Um I had to call the client that was at a later time to see if they can push it back a little bit just so I could um, fit him, you know, smoothly into that slot. Nevertheless, everything worked out. This client particularly knew that he was scheduled with one of the therapists at my spa, but he came to the spa anyways, demanding to have me instead. And this hasn't been the first time. Um, like I have it on my website. I'm not accepting new clients, right? But people still come and, and they want me. And I understand I'm the face of my business. You know, everybody hears about me. But, you know, I try to brand the, the business. I try to brand the therapist because I want them to get some business. So yeah. long story short, 
this client was upset that he couldn't have me. So he we had some dialogue. And so he basically left. Now, I feel and my policy is that he's still responsible for that appointment because that's time. Another therapist could have been um, placed in that time. Like nothing was wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. He he came to the establishment. Um, he decided he at that time he didn't want the therapist after he saw her for whatever reason. He wants me instead. That's not how it works. He should be responsible to this minute. He won't pay. <laughs> He's no. like, no, I'm not paying. So, I mean, it is what it is, but I just hate that that situation happened. How would you have handled that? Uh, by absolutely not hiring other massage therapists. I know that's your thing. <laughs> you work alone. <laughs> so, no, no. And the thing is, it, it, it's a legitimate business option. And I understand why many people go the direction you have. Uh, how many people do you have on your staff? Like how many therapists? Four. Four, and then do they specialize in anything specific? Like, is it more deep tissue oriented as a business or is it more relaxation? Um, mostly people come in, you know, for therapeutics. So we have a lot of athletes. We have a lot of people, um, you know, who, who come to massage literally for wellness. It's not just like a, oh, let's go get a massage. They, they're really coming for pain relief. When they want to work with you specifically, because you're sort of the face of your business, I understand that. Are they thinking they can't get as good a service with another therapist on your staff? I'm thinking that's what it is. I'm thinking that they want to come to me because they they hear the name, they know the brand. But that's that's just here's how I would handle it. I okay. would I would I would potentially I don't know what you charge right now. I would potentially raise your rates astronomically higher <laughs> than right. the other staff. And it's right. not an ego thing. It's just you don't have time. Like you're busy. Right. Like you don't right. you only have so many hours. When you've run out of time, you have to raise fees. And if you're running specials for the new therapist, it's about getting the new clients to develop a connection, hopefully with the therapist who's going to deliver the kind of pressure that they're looking for. Exactly. That, for the that, session that, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's some good advice. And I thought about that. But like you said, I figured that it might create a little dissension because the therapist will like, well, why does she get to make more? You know, I, I don't know. I wanted it to all seem fair. It's your business. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to me. It's not. Um, the other therapists can raise their rates to what yours are. They just have to start their own business. And I wouldn't be opposed to raising their rates as well, especially as they're making more. How you handle that as a business owner when you're trying to create you know, systems that are templates that are repeatable is, I think, more the issue, right? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We're going to take a quick five-minute break. I say five minutes, not five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 